Hi there, this is Rami, and welcome back to another episode of the Bonfires of Social Enterprise. Today we are moving to the Impact Investing Ingle Nook to talk to Don Lee. Don has been quite a visionary around social enterprise local investing and has begun to change the way many people are investing in the Detroit area. He has passionate rationale and incredible enthusiasm. It's quite contagious, actually. (laughs) We have a very special surprise artist at the end of this episode for your listening pleasure, so stay tuned. Now, before we jump in, let's see what Luke has for our fun fuel. Hi, this is Luke Trombley, and I'm bringing you the fun fuel for this episode. Don Lee makes a huge impact on businesses with his investing, much like how meteors make huge impacts on Earth itself. The world's largest crater is located in Australia. Before impact, it split into two pieces, each six miles across. This created two craters covering around 250 miles of Australia's beautiful countryside. The second biggest crater is located in South Africa. The meteor was between 5 and 10 kilometers and was traveling around 20 kilometers per second. That is around 12 miles a second. Thank you for tuning into this fun fuel. Enjoy the episode. Thank you, Luke. I love this idea of thinking about impact investing, making a large scale impact. That just gave me a different visual. In some ways, impact investing has turned the financial markets a little sideways when it comes to local investing. Many said it couldn't be done, but as you'll hear from Don, it's happening right now. So let me not delay one more minute and let's jump over to my conversation with Don. Don, welcome to the podcast. Rami, thanks for having me. Man, it's been uh, it's just been so cool what's happened in the last couple of years that when we connected and what we're doing with uh, in the city of Detroit is just amazing. You know, creating over 44 jobs in three entry, uh, entities that we investigating with your leadership and help, uh, it's been great. So thanks for having me. Oh, gosh. I feel like uh, I, I, I'm just uh, an administrator here. You've been really a part of the visionary, and I think it's been – I'm glad you said only a couple years, because I think it's been closer to four years that we've been doing this, but that's good. Time Scary. <laughs> I know. Hey, you know what? This has been um, – awesome to have you on here because I've been wanting to have you on here. We get so many questions around impact investings, and you are a walking example of somebody who kind of caught the bug a little bit, had the idea, and you've journeyed from actually putting your money into it, both direct and through private equity funds that you helped design and now oversee. You've sort of officially, we'd say, caught the bug for impact investing, so I'd love to just start at the beginning and take the listeners back to how did you even become interested in kind of local impact type investing? Do you remember? So if you, yeah, well, if you go really far back, I I came to the state of Michigan or the great city of Detroit with minus $5,000 in my pocket. So I would be caught, I wouldn't consider myself wealthy and my net worth wasn't really, wasn't above zero. So um, but what I do when I reflect back and I start reflecting back after mission trips that there were so many wonderful men and women that came in my life to really help me grow as a human being with their time, treasure, and talent that I, I've been able and been put in a position uh, to be able to uh, give back. 
And um, I, Rami, as you know, I, I do a lot of mission trips around the world, and I would go there with the whole attitude, I'm really going to help these folks, which I hope I did. But I always come back changed, saying, wow, I feel better about myself now than I did when I left and was changed. So how I got the bug was I have been a C-level executive for the last 23 years, from CEO, CMO to COO, and I want to continue to use my gifts. And as I read a book called Job Wars by Jim Clifton of Gallup, that just turned me on and said, you know what, we got to create jobs. If we really want to turn our country around, not saying it's bad, but if we really want to uh, mobilize people, we need to give them hope. And I think hope with jobs gives the whole thing of confidence and purpose. And that's where my journey started. Uh, and then I met you and met uh, my partner in crime, Jeff Patrick. Uh, not in crime, literally. But we came together and developed this fund uh, with just knowing what we've done in the past. Uh, not taking any other, anybody else's model and putting it together to mobilize dollars, mobilize people um, to impact under-resourced communities. So that's where the bug started. Is really, I feel pretty good about myself when I help another individual, another human being, no matter who they are. And then, how did you get the idea, Don, to make it to invite others to the table, saying, "Hey." Let's get a bunch of our social circle and try to do this together. How did you get locked onto that? Was that also from kind of mission work, teamwork? Right, and I looked around and we, we have a really, I, I go to a really cool uh, church. I've got a really cool community of people that I hang around with, and I'm like, how do I mobilize these folks? What, what can I do to get these guys and gals involved? And um, the one thing I always know, you got to put your money where your mouth is, and there had to be some type of commitment dollar-wise to get people's commitment and time-wise. And so just through talking with people, understanding, um, just saying, hey, how would you like to mobilize your time, treasure, and talent as a C-level executive or a, a, or a director of manufacturing market? We could use you, and would you want to invest in other human beings just like other human beings invest with you in your career? I want to give you that same opportunity. And that's how impact investing started. But, you know, a lot of people can do the talk, but until you write a check, that's a whole different, that's, that, that game goes up a thousand percent. And so that's where we got money involved. Yeah, that's so true. And my, you put some money down on the deal, and that changes the game. And you, were, you guys were really successful. I think in that first one, we got 48 investors. Was that surprising to you, or was that a smaller number than you were trying to get? Uh, well, of course, we wanted way more. Uh, we set big goals. Uh, however, we were uh, we were surprised by how many people didn't really understand social enterprises three years ago, four years ago. Um, and today, it's starting to really ask me about it now. Also, you know, you have to understand there's uh, early adopters, and people I thought were early adopters really weren't. So that was disappointing, but now they're starting to come around. How it would turn the corner for people listening to the story was, and Rhonda, you're a big part of this, we built an unbelievable platform of accountability and transparency. We also built the why, how, and what 
for what the fund's going to be. And, like, the why was just as simple as to engage and empower leaders who I was talking to to lead social change and provide economic hope. That was our why. Now, it didn't say what we're going to invest in and what we're going to do. We just wanted something bigger than ourselves. And that, I think that was the impetus of people saying, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. And we raised close to, uh, I think, around a million dollars. And then we, you know, through your team, we syndicated uh, other foundations. And now we've uh, had another round um, uh, to uh, raise more equity and get more stake into our uh, enterprises. So I think it's the, the accountability, transparency, and the heart that we showed that really attracted our first 48 investors. And that, I think for bringing all that up, this accountability thing became far more important, I think, than any of us envisioned. I think because we all came out of uh, careers that required accountability, we maybe brought some of that personality to it. But I can tell, I can tell you myself, I really didn't have – a feel of how much non-accountability there was uh, in the marketplace of impact investing. Can we press into that a little bit more? What has that done for you personally in terms of either reporting or how has that affected you in terms of the comfort as an individual investor? Makes you sleep at night. Uh, what we promised in those meetings, raising funds, is all come true. So we basically said you're going to have uh, a, a document to sign. You're going to be able to see our books online. You're going to see assessments on a regular uh, basis of our entities we are uh, investing in. We build a board. We build an investment board. Because I'm like, who would give me money? I mean, I'm asking, I'm competing against a lot of other uh, uh, companies, foundations, uh, and great causes for money. And so I really felt, and being an engineer, my, and my, I just wanted to make sure people knew that we had the governance around our dream that would give people the freedom to invest. And that has really paid off for uh, the enterprises we're investing in because people now have trust uh, because they see the system working. And they see the number of jobs that created. You guys decided to create uh, track wage-based creation, jobs, all that. I noticed from talking to some of the investors that is just a magnetic uh, sticky point for them. Right, because remember, our investors are either business owners or uh, folks that love to grow grow things, right, grow business, see people succeed, and that has been, you know, that is a measurable right there, bam. And then another measurable is cleaning up blight in an area we invest in, uh, seeing people graduate from the jobs and go to another job. So where you can show um, our whole goal is creating jobs. When we're hitting that KPI, uh, it's not easy either, but when we're hitting it, uh, people um, now say, you know, I, I, I've spent my, I, I've invested my money wisely. Again, it comes back to governance, reporting out. You know, every six months, we used to do it every quarter, but now every six months, we do a, a letter to our, um, to our investors. Every six months, we have our investors come together for um, a networking opportunity with our investment, and our investees, and our investors. They get to meet each other. 
because they're people of common purpose. So they really enjoy that. So we have a lot of touch points to make sure people are uh, part of the journey. Yeah, that's that's been a real piece, getting allowing relationships to happen. And then transitioning over, So we hear so much commentary around, I'd like to do something in impact investing, but I only want to do things that have technology that could scale. Some of the early businesses that you guys have decided to invest in are, are sort of, I guess the world would call them regular mom-and-pop businesses that may not have an opportunity to scale. How has that uh, affected your thoughts as an impact investor? Keep it simple. If I can understand or investors can understand that we invest in it, you still need the blocking and tackling, the meat and potato type work. Um, it's not far-fetched. Uh, you know, a sewing business, a hydroponics facility, a jewelry business we can all touch, feel, and get involved with. If we are designing software apps and all that type of stuff, which I have a lot of people asking me, and I just push them off to other other funding mechanisms, um, can't see it, can't touch it, can't make an impact. I'm sure the app will uh, uh, make an impact for the purpose it's intended. This is, man, we... Like I sit, I'm down at our hydroponics farm every week uh, for the last month or so, spending time with that owner, helping him uh, maneuver through some complicated growth issues. I've got other people in our group where we do call to action that can actually go to a facility, sit down with the owner, and be part of the journey. And, uh, you know, being, a, being a, an owner is lonely. And so they have someone to sound, uh, have a soundboard and think, think, think things through. So I, I believe we'll continue to invest in the meat and potato kind of opportunities. It could, it could be a laundry and, uh, and a, a laundry mat that's in a, um, area that, you know, a, a economic blight that needs to create jobs. As long as there's a need, and they, they need capital, we want to we be able to provide it. Capital's hard to get, you know, I mean, through the banks. Yeah. There's so many regs, and there's not much patient capital. So our capital has been great, you know, because as we syndicate and your team syndicated other, uh, other funds, we've used our capital as kind of helping pay off um, some of the capital we've got from other, uh, from, from other um, sources. So... We're patient. We, we we take the long view here, the year six, seven, eight year view. Yeah. Which helps. Yeah, and I'm glad you're touching on this because um, so many questions we answer from other potential impact investors are a fear of, oh, gosh, if it's not high growth, high scale, I won't get my money back. And, and that is not true. So far, these uh, these businesses that are easy to understand, as you said, are actually on track to do the sevens and the eight percent. Um, would you would you speak to maybe a a myth that's out there that just because like, these can make money too? Our country is built on small business. Yeah, ninety five percent of our country is small business. I'm sure ninety five percent of the world is small business, and there are returns. And I tell you what, I love working in these smaller businesses because we can now control costs. And we get our we get our uh, uh, business model done, then we start scaling, and that's what doing. We're doing with two of our businesses. We've got we've got the model done, we got the reporting out, and now they're starting to scale. 
because you can see that they have money behind them and they also have uh, their processes proved out. So, you know, what do I, 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 when I, um, I say, um, when, I, when I'm with our, um, I set the expectation when I'm raising dollars that this is, uh, um, how would I say it back in the day, high reward? Um, yeah. Uh, high, yeah. high risk, uh, low return, low reward. <laughs> yeah. So I say high risk. So then when you automatically think high risk investing, you think high reward. I'm like, no, no. It's high risk, low return, but high reward. I added a third. I think we just added a third right yeah, now. Right. <laughs> but it gets, gets people think like, listen, the purpose is to create jobs in our under-resourced community. We're going to do the best we can with our, with our um, uh, background, business background, to allow these folks to succeed, right? Yeah. But there's always the chance. So the people going into this aren't blind. So we, we, we coined another term, uh, blending a philanthropic heart with an investment mentality. Yeah. That has been, and you created a graph that we all use now. I mean, I think it's on our website because it was just such a simple visual that it got people centered on the purpose of the dollars. Yeah, and remember, we had no idea what we were doing. Right. So we we were putting this together, but it just seemed right. And you're right, it's the two circles in the arrow. One circle has philanthropic um, uh, investing, and the other one has your typical investment or mutual fund or whatever, and you put those two circles, they collide, and we call that in a minute an opportunity for social change. Yeah. So, again, you know, high risk, low return, high reward. Because we're, we're, we're engaging time, treasure, and talent, and that's the cool part of what we're doing. So on the time and talent, <laughs> piece, it's really unusual what your team has done and I know uh, it's both been a learning experience, but it's helped to protect the investment for the other the investment members in the fund who maybe don't have the time or they don't have the type of job that can they can be released to go and consult. How important is it, uh, in your opinion, that owners, investors get involved in these in local businesses? And if you wouldn't mind, part two, how important is the coachability? of the recipient of the, the owners of the portfolio company. Yeah, I, I, I really believe everyone has its time. So we don't all rush in to give our time. We, we do call of action when there may be a accounting uh, question or a manufacturing or a build-out. We have a diverse amount of people that have different talents that will do a call-out to use their time. And we're not talking in, in an unbelievable amount of time. Uh, but it's just enough to get the entrepreneur back on track. So it, it just depends on where you're at in life and what your what your um, what your opportunity to be open and you know, how much time you have. Like right now, I'm kind of between careers, and so I'm spending a lot of time catching up, making sure this is all uh, I can use my time, treasure, and talent and, uh, effectively. Um, but I just think. Uh, everyone's, everyone has participated at some time in the last three to four years with their time and talent. Uh, and it may have been a half hour. It could have been eight hours. Uh, but, again, remember, it goes back to 
you may go in grumbling, you come back out smiling because you just helped another human being in a community. Yeah. And, and then the second part of your question, I just got so carried away with that, Ronnie. What was the second part? Uh, on the coachability of the management team or the owner of the business, I mean, there's got to be a certain amount of openness for them to be coached, right? Absolutely. And that's why we have an investment board, and it, uh, they have to present in front of the investment board, and that's one of the attributes we look at. You know, uh, is, is this how, what's going to be the impact? Does this person have... Uh, a plan that could be scalable and a plan that could uh, be viable. And then the big thing is, can they be coachable? Can they? Can we come walk in their facility and help them? And that's a big part of it. And uh, for those who are listening that uh, want to start a uh, social enterprise business, I mean, please welcome help because um, – that you learn, and, you know, we're really looking for those life learners as entrepreneurs. I think we're all life learners if you accept that fact. Yeah, and I think, you know, so our firm, of course, we do a lot of the accountability reporting, and we so often see where things are starting to go off track, and we know now statistically that those entrepreneurs and teams that are willing to receive help and mentoring and coaching do far better than those that aren't because just things are just going to come up that you can't plan on and there's no way one person can have experience of it with everything going on in the world <laughs> you know well hey right here's here's an issue we had one of our um one of our um uh enterprises reach out um to our network and say hey oh oh by the way um i was trying to get a line of credit at a bank and I'm not going to name the bank. I probably should after you hear the story, but um, that bank or that, that credit officer is no longer with them. Uh, they didn't file my, uh, prop, my paperwork properly. I'm not going to be able to make payroll. So one of our uh, investors got that email, called the president of that bank. The president of that bank got involved, and this was on a Tuesday after New Year's Day, got involved that our 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 um our investment uh person or person you know um uh they were able to get their credit line all within two days because they didn't know the president of the bank. They were running through the red tape. Well one of our uh our our, our colleagues or our, our 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 community went to the president of the bank and said, Hey this is what's going on. It looks like it's a complete you know, just to drop through the cracks, there's no bad intentions here. Our, our, our investment um, company said, man, they responded so fast that now we're going to start a 401k to them. So this bank did a call to action, did an urgency, got it done, and they got more work from our from our uh, investment. So that was a great story. That's how you use the network. And that's the problem with a lot of small businesses. They don't have that network or they don't want to have a network. And I'm saying, boy, you got to do things in a village. And you always talk about that, Rami, about the village and coming around the bonfire and really, you know, uh, networking and asking great ideas and, and getting people to help. That case paid off. And that was great. So that, that was a perfect win of what we want to do with our impact fund. Yeah, it wasn't just the proactive stuff. It was helping 
when somebody hit a ditch. It's like everybody rallied right there, and you played a huge part of that uh, solution, Don. I want to thank you again for that. Gosh, so what could we uh, – I want to be honorable of your time here. I'd love if you could – if you had ideas, now that you've gotten this far, uh, what would you – if you could just take a dream situation – Shifting our focus back onto potential investors, what would you like to see happen with people starting to do more of this local impact investing? If you could just sort of paint your dream scenario with what you know now. Bob, get off your couches, stop watching TV, and get engaged. It's it's it, really um, life is happening, you know. Uh, gray, black, white, and gray is all happening. So it's sticky. You get them out of the field. But, man, I'm telling you, it's so rewarding to watch other human beings succeed at their dream. My dream is to continue to raise dollars, to invest into more of these type of entities, um, to use your services, Ronnie, because I just love them, and they, they, they help me with that accountability and the governance portion. Um, but I just encourage people, if we want – to make our communities better, we got to create jobs. We can't wait around. And that's something I've really been sitting on for the last year is we got to keep creating jobs because no one's going to do it for us. Right. And we got to stop complaining about regulatory or banking. I'm taking the banking issue away. Yeah. I, the, ba- the bankers are great. They have some regulatory constraints. But if we can get the seed money and get these folks started, get them coached up, and get them going – then there's scalability. Then there's, you know, other uh, traditional means of capital. But right now, I would just tell people to dream big. How can you help your community by creating jobs? It could be as easy as an ice cream store or a food cart. Yep. And walk alongside somebody. Boy, that's the fun part. I love going into our under-resourced communities. I learned so much. Here, here's something interesting. I got, we got wonderful employees. At our uh, at our, uh, our our facilities, one. Uh, but the problem is, in an under-resourced community, uh, these folks' transportation is really hard, and so we're gonna have to look at different ways to get our employees to the new workplace on time because they have so many constraints. They have a, an outdated car. There's not a good, a, a great transportation. There could be a million different things, and so we have to continue to educate. Um, uh, the under-resourced communities and, you know, what it means to have a job, what the commitment is, and also get them there and back so they can continue to grow in purpose and confidence. Wow. Well said. Well said. Well, I I want to encourage any listeners that are thinking about impact investing uh, to invite Don to come to your city. He uh, knows how to scale these types of things and has big plans. So, Don, could maybe give we could give them the website of the impact and how to reach you? Yep. So, um, our uh, just go over the website impactt3.com. So it's i m p a c t t three dot com. There's two T's in there. And just uh, contact through, through that. I'll get an email uh, from my personal email, and I will reach out to you. Oh, Don, thanks. I feel like I want to close this out going, Don Lee, coming to a city near you <laughs> with Impact Investing. <laughs> hey, I love doing life with Rami and her team. 
And I really enjoy uh, watching people smile when they succeed when they, they when, when the time gets tough. So I just I just thought, your audience continue to create jobs. Put your money where your mouth is and take that risk. Yeah. I'm out of here. Thanks, Don. Thanks for the plug. Don, thank you so much. I think we need to keep our eyes and ears on Don as he continues to pave the way with bravery, courage, and much-needed enthusiasm. We'll keep in touch with Don and keep getting inspired. Speaking of inspiration, you know we like to feature a usually somewhat unknown Detroit artist at the end of each episode. Many artists are going on to become very well-known, which is probably the case with this next artist, Grace Elizabeth Lee. Now. This artist has a special connection to Don Lee. She is his daughter. Their whole family is so inspiring. Here's Grace's song, Golden Hair. Enjoy the song, and until next time, keep those bonfires burning. Just to hold me Would I still be your girl As we sail our yacht Across the great expanse The ocean slowly makes our bodies dance Would you still look at me with one thing Would I still be your world Whatever life may bring, baby, whatever fortune found Oh, I won't let you down Whatever song we sing, baby, whatever be our sound If we were born into a world so time But we were beggars begging side by side would you be glad enough to know me? Would you still take my hand? And we could save enough to buy a sheep And sell its wool to have a bed to sleep I'd be happy just to know you Just to lay by your side Bring, baby, whatever fortune found Oh, I won't let you down Whatever song we sing, baby, whatever be our sound 